Someone asked me before the first service, okay, we've been doing this, this is us for quite some time. When does this series end? And I could tell by your laughter, some of you have been asking that same question. Well, today is the last Sunday in the This Is Us series. Oh. And I want to let you know where we're going next. Next Sunday, we'll start a new series, and that series is going to be entitled, Our World Needs You. Our world needs you. Now, I'm going to resist the temptation to go into any explanation about the title of the sermon series. Why don't you write it down, jot it down, pray about it, think about it. Allow the Lord to speak to you about what could possibly be in that series. Over the weeks that we're going to be doing this series, which will end the end of September, we have a couple of special things that happen during the series. I won't tell you all about that right now. Just come on back and you'll learn all about it. But this Sunday, like I said before, we're bringing an end to the This Is Us series. Here at Christ Community Church, you know, our middle name is community. Our middle name is community. Community is a part of who we are. We see it in our mission statement. You know our mission statement, to awaken ordinary people in extraordinary life in Christ-centered community. That's our mission statement. There's a question asked sometimes. Someone asked this of me once. Are we a church with small groups, or are we a church of small groups? Are we a church with small groups, or are we a church of small groups? Now, I don't know your answer to that question, but I could point to a couple of things. One, over 20 years ago, this church was founded with with a few couples meeting in a home. Sounds like a community group to me. And from that nucleus, God has blessed. And look what we have today. I can also point you to our second core value. Our second core value is authentic relationships. That's one of our core values. Because God created us for community, we devote ourselves to building healthy relationships. Now, I don't know how you're going to build a healthy relationship all by yourself. To build a healthy relationship, you've got to have somebody with you. Don't you agree? How do we know when we reach this core value? It's demonstrated by engaging in life together with transparency, humility, compassion, and a commitment to speaking the truth in love. So I would submit to you that we are a church of small groups. And to kind of flesh this out and bring us this message this morning, I want to introduce our pastor of Connect Ministries, Billy Gross. Y'all welcome Billy as he comes up. My brother. All right. Billy is going to take us from here. Billy? Thank you, Derek. Yeah, so this is us, a community, of Christ-centered, a Christ-centered community. So uh, when you hear that word, community, what comes to mind? What images? I'm going to give you a few seconds just to think, to picture. What comes to mind? I wish we had time. We could just brainstorm together, but we we can't do that in this setting. I imagine one of the first things that comes to mind is food. Fellowship around a table, right? Backyard barbecue, picnics, conversations and laughter, song and and play. Maybe also recognizing there's a time for hard stories and sorrow and tears. But it's co-workers who come together over lunch 
It's, it's moms who meet with their children once or twice a month for a play group. It's uh, teenagers or young adults who gather at Lake Bottom Park on Sunday nights to play ultimate frisbee. Weddings and funerals. All these are right and good connections where we share life. And they reflect the goodness of God. But they're all the richer when Jesus is in the middle of them. When Jesus is in the middle of them. And it's Christ-centered community that we're passionate about. And that's what we want to celebrate this morning. So back in 2014, my wife and I with our our two daughters had this wonderful gift through the Make-A-Wish Foundation to take a trip to Rome, Italy. And we just saw amazing, beautiful things, buildings, cathedrals, works of art. But I will tell you, by far, the most spectacular thing of the whole trip, for me, was the Statue of the David by Michelangelo. It was in this round atrium, and it's just amazing. It's just, the detail is phenomenal. It's an anointed work of art. And I remember spending 45 minutes, maybe an hour, in that one place, walking around the statue and just stopping and soaking it in and looking at it from these different angles. On one side, you could see the the veins in the hand. On the other side, you could see the toenails and the muscles in the back. It was just just spectacular is the best word. Well, anyway, I want us to do that together this morning. I want us to walk around this rich, wonderful gift of community and to look at it from different angles and really absorb the richness of it because it is, first and foremost, a gift to us from our maker. And that leads us to the first uh, observation I want to make. It's a theological view, but we are made for community. God has fashioned this longing for relationship and, and connection into our human DNA. And we see the hints of it in the story of our beginning in the, in the book of Genesis in the first chapter. We have these two profound insights. Really, they come in these two unique words. God's made everything, the sky, the stars, the sun. He's made the earth and the land and the seas and and the animals and the vegetation and everything. And he gets to day six, and he says, or actually they say, let us make man, humanity, in our image. These plural pronouns here, really curious, right? Who's us? Who's our? Well, we know... As we continue to read through the scriptures, God reveals this amazing mystery, this wonderful reality that that God exists in this community of three, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, who are distinct persons, if you will. And they know each other, and they love each other, and they enjoy each other, and, and they work together, and they're pursuing glory together. They share this rich life, this rich love between them. Well, we're made in that same image. We're made to to experience life like that with others, others that we can know and love and enjoy and work together with. We are made for community. It's further accented on in the story, getting into chapter 2. God's made Adam, and he's in the Garden of Eden. He has everything he needs. He lacks nothing. He's in perfect relationship with God because there's been no fall, no sin. And God looks down and he goes, oh, this isn't good. This isn't good because Adam's alone. He's made for community. He's made for relationship. And so God fashions a woman and he gives Adam and Eve to each other. 
and he ordains this rich gift of marriage. And, and I would say that marriage is the most intimate experience of community. But I want us to hear the broader declaration that we were made for relationship, for community, well beyond marriage. And I want to just tangent and speak to our singles and say, I know there's unique challenge and hurt there can be in singleness, but I want you to hear that the gift of relationship and community is for you. It's for all of us. It's not just for marriage or families. There's extended family. There's deep friendship. And the scriptures celebrate friendship in many places. The, the soulful connection between David and Jonathan. The rich love that Naomi, Ruth and Naomi shared. You know, the deep friendship that Jesus had with his 12 disciples. And especially Peter, James and John. Paul's deep friendships, close relationships with Barnabas and Timothy and Epaphras. The scriptures celebrate the gift of friendship as, a, as a, a rich source of community. And then there's the church. We're the family of faith. We, married, singles, families, we are brothers and sisters together. And so I want you to hear, singles, we need you fully engaged in the whole of our life as a church. We, we don't want to create this separate fellowship for singles. We need you in our groups and studies. And, and many of them, really most of them, are mixed and open to all. We need you on our ministry teams. We need you in leadership. We need you in, in our outreaches and our missions. You know, we're brothers and sisters together. We need you. You're vital to our life as a church. So that leads to the, the second view I want to take here of this gift of community, and that's that God desires and has always desired a people. Now, he does love us individually. He does pursue the one sheep. And he knows each one of us intimately, and we're uniquely precious to him. But God longs for a people because he made us for community, right? And, and he starts with the Hebrew people. He forms this nation, but that's all to lay the foundation for the church. And Jesus ushers in the church when he comes, and then the Holy Spirit is propelling the church forward, and that's why we're here today, as the church, the people of God. And we have this people destiny that we call the kingdom of God, the eternal kingdom of God, where we're going to dwell together as God's people from every tongue and tribe and nation of the earth, the people of God. I love this verse in 1 Peter. It's not on the overhead, but I'm going to read it. I'm going to change the pronoun to be personal about us. But we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation a people belonging to God, that we may declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once we were not a people, but now we are the people of God. Yes, amen. So we have this rich uh, expression of what it looks like to be the people of God, how we're meant to live, in the, uh, in the early church. And God in his wisdom said, you know what, I want to capture this snapshot of the life of the early church. It's really more like a video, I think. And he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to capture that and make sure it's in my word from now until I come again so my people can be inspired for this life I'm calling them to. So that's what we have here in this Acts chapter 2 passage, verses 42 through 47. The context is, Jesus said to his disciples right before he ascended back to heaven, he said, now you need to wait because Father's going to send the Holy Spirit. And when he comes, he's going to fill you with power. We, we celebrated that last Sunday, 
talking about the work of the Holy Spirit who brings the presence and the purity and the power and the passion of God into our lives. So anyway, Jesus said, you wait and the Spirit's coming. And sure enough, on this day of Pentecost, we call it, the Holy Spirit's come. The disciples are filled with boldness. They're speaking in all these different languages. And Peter preaches about Jesus and thousands of people believe. It's the birthday of the church. So let's look at this little video of their life, this church just born, and I want you to look for two things. Look for the activity, what's going on in this community of believers, but also look for the attitude or spirit that's there, the heart of the people. Some of those things, you know, are stated directly, and some of them we can infer from all that's going on. So listen here as I read this video of their life. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. And they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So we're just going to kind of go over the, the activities, what's going on together on this next slide. Um, it starts with those four focal things. Teaching makes sense, right? Jesus has taught all this stuff to his disciples. And he's told them, I want you now to teach this to others. So they're teaching what Jesus has taught them. Probably also teaching from the Old Testament to show how Jesus is the Messiah, the fulfillment of God's promise. And then they're sharing, they're having fellowship together. And we see all the ways that's happening, right? Not just services and, and meetings, but worship and meals and homes. The word there is koinonia, which really means to share life. And when we're inviting you, when we're, we're called to this life together, it's not just a meeting or a study, but it's to sharing life. And then there's this breaking of bread. Now, they talked about meals and homes, but I think this is referring to communion. Makes sense, right? One of the last things Jesus did with his 12 disciples before he was arrested and crucified, they were sharing the Passover meal. And Jesus took the bread and he took the cup and he pressed new meaning into it. And he said, this is my body broken for you and my blood shed for you. And that's what we're going to do today together. But he, he gave it to them and then he said... Keep doing this together in remembrance of me. And that's why we do it together. It's a community experience. And then they're praying. Prayer just fuels our life together. And then the next slide, um, there's miracles and wonders, right? Because the Holy Spirit's at work in their midst. Rich worship because they're in awe of this God, this risen Savior. And then there's this radical giving and sharing and helping each other. Again, you're sharing meals in homes, circles, right? Meeting around the table in homes. And then, what I love is that they find favor with all the people. This rich life they're sharing, they're not, it's not behind closed doors. They're living it out loud. And so people are seeing their life and their love and their generosity and they're drawn to it. And the Lord's adding to their number daily those who are being saved. He's growing his people. 
He's growing his kingdom. But even richer than all this activity, and I've actually already kind of been alluding to it, is the heart, the spirit of the people we see. Let's look at this list here. First, there's this rich, deep awe at this Savior we follow, this Holy Spirit that's come. And then there's joy and sincerity. I think it says there was gladness and sincerity of heart. What we need to understand is the contrast that was to what they had known. They had known this dry, burdensome, legalistic religion of the Pharisees that had no life in it. It was just a burden. Jesus was confronting the Pharisees all the time. Why are you burdening the people with all this stuff? And now they're experiencing a dynamic spirit that lives within and radical love and this, this risen Savior who's calling them to life together and to reach in the world. So, um, I, I got excited and lost my place. So there's joy and sincerity, right? And then this generosity, right? We've talked about that, how they're giving and sharing, selling stuff to help one another. And this amazing unity. We're a family. We're brothers and sisters. We have one Lord and God and Father of us all. And again, they're living this outward, inviting others in. The kingdom of God is growing. So that's exciting, right? But I, I want to be honest. I want to be authentic. It was messy, even for them. It's messy for us. It was messy for them. You keep reading through the story of their life, and, and, and just a page or two over, there's this big argument about food. There's one group saying, hey, our people are being neglected when we're distributing food. It's not fair. They had to address that. And then, you know, this spirit of generosity, it's challenged because you have this couple, Ananias and Sapphira, who decide, well, let's sell something and give it to the church, but let's keep some of it for ourselves. But let's tell them we're giving it all so we look really gracious. They were being deceptive and prideful and actually were struck dead because of it. That's how toxic it was to their life. And then uh, this special breaking bread communion thing that they were sharing, it started getting out of hand. People were getting drunk at communion. And Paul's writing a letter to address that. Hey, this isn't right, brothers and sisters. In fact, all these letters from Paul and Peter and James, these epistles we have, most all of them are addressing problems, things that are got, have gotten out of line. Like one of them, Paul's writing and saying, why are you divided? What, what happened to our unity? Why do some of you say Apollos is the one, or, or I, Paul, am the one, or Peter's the one? No, there's one Lord. Jesus, we all belong to him. So there was mess. And we're going to have mess because we bring our brokenness and our baggage with us. But it's okay because we're brothers and sisters. And that's not just a sentimental idea. That's a reality that by the Holy Spirit, we've been made eternal spiritual brothers and sisters. And we're going to spend eternity together. Nobody gets voted off the island. Okay? So the next view I want to take, I want to share, is um, our Connect mission statement. Now, the Connect Connect Ministries focuses especially on our small group gatherings, our circles. But I want to say again, we we hope community and authentic relationships happening throughout all the life of our church, even on Sunday mornings. But it's hard to do deep, rich life with each other sitting in rows. It works better in circles. So that's what Connect Ministries is about. And so this mission statement really connects to that pursuit. And here it is. We're learning to share authentic life together around Jesus. First of all, we're learning. We don't automatically know how to do this. We don't naturally open up and and are vulnerable with each other. We have trust issues. 
We're really not good listeners. We, we have a lot to learn about how to listen caringly. We're learning how to love. And community is the place where we're learning that. Um, it's obvious. Well, actually, one more thing way we're learning is that we as a church are learning how to facilitate this. What structures and systems help us connect? And we're always wrestling with the best ways to do it. And we don't, we don't have the secret sauce. We haven't figured it all out. And some of what we do works and some doesn't. And I want to say as your Connect pastor that I know I make mistakes. I drop the ball sometimes. I'm sure there's some of you that I haven't followed up with, well with and you wanted to get connected and I didn't help make that happen. And I apologize and ask you to forgive me. And if you need to talk to me about that, I invite you to come let me know, hey, you really hurt me you know, when you didn't get back with me. And I was really disappointed. We can work that out. But anyway, moving on to sharing life. I think that's obvious in all that I've been sharing. Sharing our stories, our journey, our struggles and needs, which leads to the third element, and that's we want to share authentic life, not just the fun, fellowship, good things, but the hard, challenging things. When I have doubts or questions, when I'm struggling with sin, when I'm going through pain. And I will tell you, I, I know groups who've celebrated the birth of babies with joy. And I know groups who've had to grieve at the death of babies at birth. And I know groups who've celebrated weddings together. And I know a group that even helped put the whole thing on. And I know groups that have had to grieve and walk through divorce together. We want to share authentic life. And then lastly, around Jesus. It's Christ-centered community. We want to meet with him together. We want to come after him. He is our bread of life. He is our living water. All right, so this next view I want to talk about, I want us to look at is that community is a gift. It's this rich gift, but it's also a discipline. And I think discipline's kind of gotten a negative connotation in our minds, and I, and I know why, because discipline sounds like duty and performance. And I got to get it right so God will be pleased with me. And I, if that's how you see discipline, throw that out. That's not accurate. The, the spiritual disciplines are given to us by God and they're for us. They're helps to us. They're means of grace to help us stay connected to Jesus, to help us nourish our souls. They're not a burdensome duty. They're a gift. And community is one of those that God gives. So I want to help us understand the discipline side, the gift and discipline of community by sharing this next picture. Um, when our kids were in middle school and high school, we thought, let's get a boat. We didn't have a cool yard and a basement, but we said, let's get a boat that'll be a fun thing we can share as a family and be a good draw uh, for their friends, a, a good healthy activity to do with their friends. So we bought a ski boat, and it didn't look like that, and I didn't ski like that. Almost, but no. Um, but it was great. It really was just so much fun for us as a family. It really enriched our life. But I will tell you, it was a lot of work. There was a lot of discipline in it. Because we didn't live on the lake, on the river. and We didn't have a dock. We parked in our front yard. And we'd have to hook it up to the truck and drive it to the ramp and put it down the ramp and enjoy it and then get it back on the ramp and drive it home and get everything out to dry and then put the cover back on every time we used it. There was a discipline. There was a work in it but it was worth it. And so the two words I want to accent around this idea of discipline on the next slide are the words intentionality and investment. We're not going to casually and conveniently experience the rich life of Christ-centered community. We're going to have to be intentional about it. We're going to have to give ourselves to it. And we're going to have to invest time and energy and my emotions. 
And not just for my sake. It's a two-way investment because I'm not just saying I'm going to come because this blesses me. Maybe I'm doing great and I don't feel like I need to be a group. But I'm going to come because you may need me. And I want to be there for you. My commitment's to people, not to a meeting. So it's an investment. And isn't that true about anything that's meaningful in our lives? Any enjoyable hobby or athletic pursuit? Intentionality and investment, right? Any uh, vocational or educational pursuit? Intentionality and investment. Marriage, raising kids, lots of intentionality and investment, right? Hey, and following Jesus. Not that we make our way or we earn God's approval. That's not what we're about. But we give ourselves to this following Jesus. He, he put it well. He said, if anyone wants to come after me, let them deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. That's some intentionality. That's some investment. And we have this grace of God to do that. And we have the Holy Spirit in us to do that. Anyway, that's another message. Um, and so I want to accent also... The word that leads in that video of the early church of their life is, and they devoted themselves to all this life that follows. Or some translations say they continued steadfastly with great intentionality and deep investment because it was worth it to give themselves to it. All right, so this last view I want to share is real similar to, to this whole idea of learning, but that, that community is the soil where God grows love in us, where God grows this call to servanthood in us. And I want to accent this with um, looking at three things. The first is um, in John 13. Again, this is on the night when Jesus was arrested and was taken to the cross and crucified. And incidentally, this night was this rich time of community with his small group, his 12 guys. They spent the whole night together and he's pouring his heart out and he washed their feet and that's what I want to talk about now. And they shared a meal. But let me talk about the feet. He got up from the table and put a towel around his waist and took a basin and he went around and washed all their dirty feet. And then he sat down and he looked at him and he said, do you, do you realize what I've just done? I'm your master and teacher and I've washed your feet. I want you to wash each other's feet. I'm calling you to that kind of life. And washing feet can be dirty and messy. We're called to love each other like that. Another uh, passage I love that accents this whole thing of otherness and servanthood is in Philippians chapter 2. And I'm going to read it from the message, and I'm going to change the pronoun to be personal as if Jesus is speaking to us. Because really, he is. This is Jesus' heart through Paul. Paul concurs. These words are his words too. But listen to these words of Jesus. If you've gotten anything at all out of following me, if my love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community of my spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favor. And I really like it better in the NIV. He says, then make my joy complete. Agree with each other. Love each other. Be deep-spirited friends. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet-talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. Again, in the NIV, it says, don't look out 
only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. Otherness, that's part of our life. And then I want to accent both those things with this little story, antidote, that I remember learning in high school. It's a depiction of hell. And I'm going to call this community by the spoonful, which will make sense at the end. So the depiction of hell is people sitting around this huge banquet table that's filled with this lavish feast of rich food. And everybody has six-foot arms, but they have no elbows. And on the end of their arms are spoons. And everybody's groping and straining to get the food, but they can't get it to their mouths. And little by little, everyone's starving. Well, heaven is exactly the same picture. Huge banquet table, a lavish feast, six-foot arms, no elbows, spoons on the end. But everybody's enjoying the feast because people are scooping up food and leaning over and feeding their brother or feeding their sister and someone's feeding me and we're all enjoying the feast and there's fullness and joy in life. That's a, a good image of community. So I want to end by just taking one final gaze here at this gift, this rich gift from God. And I'm just going to just very quickly summarize the blessings that we, we've heard, that we see here. The first is that community is going to help me abide in Jesus, help me stay connected to Jesus. Community is going to multiply my joys. Blessings and joys are all the richer when we can share them. And it's going to divide my sorrows because we're called to weep with each other and to bear one another's burdens. And community is going to stretch me and grow me in my faith. I think that's been obvious as we've talked. We learn from each other. We inspire each other as we share our stories and what God's doing in our lives. When one is down, another picks them up. I want to read this verse in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 through 25. I learned this in high school. Actually, it's verses 23 through 25. I learned in high school verses 24 and 25. And then a few years ago, I realized, why didn't I learn verse 23? We really need verse 23. Listen. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider, there's some intentionality, right? Let's consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together. There's some investment, as some are in the habit of doing but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. The reason verse 23 is so important is because I can't hold unswervingly to this hope I profess by myself. If I'm trying to do this Christian thing on my own, I'm going to swerve, I'm going to drift, I'm going to lose my way. But if I'm connected to you and we're spurring one another on and we're encouraging each other, then we can hold unswervingly to this hope, this life that we have. Okay, the last blessing of community is that it advances the kingdom of God. I mean, we heard testimony of it this morning from these students. Their community went forth together to share the love of Jesus. And it was their community, their their love for each other that fueled that mission trip and revealed the love of God to others. So two verses I want to refer to. One is John 17. This is on that same night where Jesus is sharing this special time with his disciples because he's about to leave and his heart's heavy. And he's praying for them and really for us. And he prays, 
Father, I pray that they may be one, that you would make them one, even as you and I are one, that they'd be brought to, com- to perfect unity. Why? So that the world will know you sent me. That our unity as the people of God, especially in all our rich diversity, racially and economically, male and female, young and old, when we share rich life together and love each other, it bears witness to Jesus in the world. The, the other verse, and I think this is probably very familiar, that same night, Jesus looks at his 12 and he says to them, there's a new commandment I give to you. You know all these commandments of the law, but here's the new one, and it captures all of them. He says, I want you to love one another just like I have loved you and I'm about to love you, laying down my life. I want you to love each other, and that's how all the world will know that you're my disciples, that you belong to me. The identifier is going to be your deep love for each other. So our life as a loving community, as the people of God, bears witness to Jesus and brings the glory of God in the world. This is us, a Christ-centered community. So what do we do? What's next? We've heard the passion in Billy's voice as he's, he's communicated this message from his heart and from the word, but what, what, what do we do? I want to suggest the first thing for all of us, pursue a connection. Pursue a connection. Now, I know for some of us in this room, we are already regularly meeting with and have a meaningful connection. And you know what? That's fine. Even, and, and let me make, make this very clear. It doesn't even have to be here at Christ Community Church. Some of you are connected with people outside this church, and that's fine. You have it. And we celebrate that. I will suggest to us, consider adding someone to your group. I love how the youth started this whole thing off. They didn't know what to expect, but then they realized how people were being drawn that did not know the gospel. Some of them, as they were talking, were amazed at the number of people they bumped into that had never heard about Jesus. May it never be said about us here at Christ Community Church that we have these holy huddles, that we're always looking out to invite others into this community in which we enjoy. So pursue a connection. If you have one, that's fine. But if you don't, we don't. Billy and the staff and the team and many of you have been very intentional about making places where you can connect. I invite your attention to the little tricolored flyer that you might have picked up on the way, that was given to you on the way. If you have one, just look at it right now. It has some opportunities for you to make connection. Life school classes that will be coming up or Sunday morning gatherings or community groups. All the information is here. There's a link down at the bottom of each one that you can go online and find out more details about. And I, I don't want to take a lot of time going through the details of this. This is the point. Pursue a connection. All that we have heard points to the value of it and the way we were made. So let us do it. If, if you don't go online, if you don't have access, you can stop out in the lobby at the Connect booth and there will be volunteers there. They'll be more than happy to give you more information. But don't leave this place today without making up in your mind that I am going to pursue connection. You might have been living life by yourself far too long. 
accept this invitation that God is extending to us to get connected. But we want those who serve the community to come forth and go ahead and get the community elements ready. Because Billy talked about it several times. Coming to the table is it's a communal event. We don't, you know, I, I know there's some, some, some value to doing communion by, by ourselves, but it's something about coming to, to the table with others. Because on that night in which he was betrayed, there was a community of believers that was there with him. It wasn't just one or two. All of them were there. And they together came to the table. And today as we close this service out, in just a second I'm going to send an invitation for us to come up. Let's make this a community encounter. As we come forth and we take a piece of the bread that was broken on that night. You remember how the Bible tells us the story. That night he broke the bread, he returned thanks, and he gave it to them and said, Take and eat. This is my body which has been given for you. And after the meal was over, he took the cup and he returned thanks. I love, I love one of the gospel writers. He says he offered it to all of them. Saying, take, drink. Represents a new covenant. It's blood that was poured out for the remission of our sins. As we prepare to come to this table, I want us to think on three things. One. Maybe we just need to come celebrating the gift of salvation or the gift of community. Maybe that's the reason we come to the table today. For some of us, we come to this table and we come asking the Lord to deal with the pain that we have carried because we've been hurt in this thing called community before. We've had a bad experience. And it's called us, just caused us to stay away. I believe the Lord wants you to come to this table today so he can restore you. That he can heal you from those hurts. That he can lead you to another group that is safe. Or maybe, maybe we need to come confessing. Confessing for what, Derek? Confessing because we have resisted. We have shunned. We have stayed away. We have barricaded ourselves. We put up the walls. We have put on a mask. We always act like everything is all right. But deep down inside, we know that we need community and we have resisted it with everything in our body and in our everything in us. And maybe you just need to come confess. Yes, I'm one of those people. And allow the Lord to soften your heart. There'll be people at the altars to pray as well. I invite you to stand, if you would. And, and before anyone moves, on this Sunday... When you come to the table, don't come by yourself. Come with your family. Come with another person. Come with somebody. They'll serve each one of you. And then you take communion. But let's make this a community event coming to the table. Come as you are ready.